0: Hey there! Welcome to Rested Mamas Talk. We're Chelsea
1: and Mika, your certified pediatric sleep coaches who were once exhausted mamas just like you turned into rested mamas who now have helped hundreds of families get better sleep in three days with an alternative to traditional sleep training.
0: As creators of the Association Fading Sleep Method, we teach a responsive and holistic approach. Our podcast is dedicated to sharing the journey from true parental exhaustion to thriving parenthood. From
1: real sleep tips, from us and other experts, to real stories of families just like you. Let's get rested.
0: Hello there, families. Welcome to this episode of Rested Mamas Talk. We are so excited to have you here for another episode, particularly for this one, because I think it might give you guys a little bit of laugh (laughs) as we go through. Um, But first, hi, Mika. How are you doing today? Hi,
1: I'm doing great. I'm excited to talk about this because just thinking about it gives me the giggles of just how much entertainment it's provided me. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and so, well, so,
1: it reminds well, us on a daily basis. As well. <laughs> so uh, we are, we're we're going to talk about something uh, super funny today, and hopefully help you navigate through everything that we see on social media. First of all, I will tell you that I am part of a mommy group on Facebook that I honestly feel like I have to unsubscribe to because there's so much mama drama there and um, baby mama drama and divorces, but also super bad advice about baby sleep. I actually had to hide a few posts because it's gotten so personal where they're literally taking pictures of, mm-hmm. of things that are like, wrong it's, kind of gr- like it's, it's kind of like, grotesque.
0: <laughs> it's a little cringeworthy. No, I'm in the same thing. And I, I actually did have to leave the group because it, it was just too much. It was just too much for me. And then you, then we wonder like these poor moms that come to us and they're like, I've, I've been told this, so I've tried this and help me. And just like, oh my gosh, like I just want better advice out there than what there is, you know? Well, we won't go over
1: the myths or the truths around whether someone should get a divorce because that's what I see all the time on those Facebook groups, but I do see questions around, hey, my child is not sleeping. I am sure you guys have seen this too. And I thought it would be good for us to talk here today about which of those Things that you see are true, and there's a little truth to them. And which of those things are absolutely absurd and false? And hope that you can hold on to this the next time that you are in your mommy group and you see it on Facebook, and you can call BS on those things. So <laughs> we collected those for... over the last thirty days, and yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go through them. But I have a question because we've seven. all got
0: them our top seven. We have seven. We but yeah.
1: Chelsea, what is the most absurd piece of advice that you have either been given or that you have read in a mommy group? To so, get
0: a sleep? Okay. I'm going to do one for each because I've read, I've read, I'm going to answer one for each. So the most absurd thing that I was told when I was a first time parent Um, Which I think that this goes a lot to all of you who probably have heard something similar to this, and that is, you know, get this sleep sack, um, order this product, and, you know, your life troubles with sleep will go away. But the one thing that I was told specifically was that my daughter wasn't sleeping in her crib because I was swaddling her incorrectly, and which was an absurd thing to me at the time and still is because I was not using just like a blanket to swaddle her, if that makes sense. Like it wasn't just like a loose blanket that I was using to swaddle. I was using a specific swaddle that had like a Velcro. So literally there was only one way that I could have been swaddling her. Like there was no other way for me to change how she was in the swaddle because of the design of the swaddle. And I think I actually got told from two different people about that. And then of course, as like, you know, a new mom, Also in fourth trimester, kind of postpartum, you know, you start to kind of go down the rabbit hole of like, oh my gosh, am I like not doing something right? And then I'm like blaming myself. And then I'm like looking up YouTube videos on how to swaddle my child with this one swaddle that I have. And not trying to, like, trying to figure it out because I'm like, no, I'm doing that. That's what I'm doing. And then it's just, like, these days of waste, right, of mental energy when it's, that's not the issue. You know, that's not something that is contributing to sleep issues with your child. Okay, so that was me personally. One of my favorite ones that I read, I don't want to say favorite, but the ones that probably give me, like, chuckle is the one where you say to give your baby honey or to put honey in their milk, um, like in a bottle, for example, you guys don't do this. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I'm no saying honey this- before they're 12 months.
1: That one right now.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I'm saying that and that's not a piece of advice. That's something that I have read that I've heard. Please do not give your child honey at any time in the first 12 months, but please, even after that, please don't add it into your child's milk or to, as a means to help them to sleep longer. I don't know really where that one stemmed from at all, actually, but that is just one that kind of gives me a chuckle because it's like, what in the, what in the world? (laughs) So, okay. Back at you, Mika, tell me the most ridiculous or kind of crazy thing you were told or you've read.
1: So I've definitely been told the swaddle thing and you only have to see it once on a mommy group. This was me seven years ago. You only have to see it once on a mommy group for you to then like Google, right? What is the right swaddle sleep sack? And then you get a million things. And guess what? I bought a million sleep sacks. Of course you did. (laughs) Because we all want that (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah, I
1: literally... I don't even know. I had, I had one in every, every kind that you can think of. And then I do remember that when, uh, my, my daughter, it was, she was like 10 days old or something like that. and, And nobody tells you about newborn wake times and how short they are and any of that stuff. Right. And she wasn't really sleeping. And, I got told, I'm not going to name who in my family,
0: <laughs> that hey I person. didn't rock her
1: properly.
0: That you couldn't rock her properly? Or you didn't? Yeah, that I
1: have to sway that okay. my rocking was not soothing enough. And that was the reason why my ch- why my child wasn't. So, so like I, when I, you were in the, I, got, I didn't do it right. I didn't do it right. In the chair
0: or standing? Standing. Oh, so instead of a back and forth, they were saying to sway- yeah, just like sway. Side to side. Honestly,
1: I was a bouncer, right? And
0: yeah, you were yoga mom. Yoga if, ball mom.
1: <laughs> if you heard the podcast of why we decided to sleep train both of us, I was a yoga ball mom, and it did work for my child. I was, but I had a yoga ball all day long. So my, I knew my child was a bouncer when she was not taking naps. It was not because I didn't sway properly.
0: Hmm. Well, so that was my. <laughs> I hope you guys, if you're listening, I have this giving you chuckles because I'm sure, I am sure that you have been told some things. Um, so I, you know, of course you can relate, but really just have, oh, I have another
1: one. Okay. I do have yes. to say
0: one more. Okay. And then let's get to our seven our top seven.
1: Yeah. Because this one, I feel like I can't be the only person who got told this. Okay. I was told that my child's room was too overstimulating because we had decorated it uh-huh. Well, not decorated. We had one picture in there and we had like a teal blue. And I was told that my it's child would never be relaxed in that room. And I'm not talking about like highlighter blue guys. Like it was like a baby teal color. Anyways, that was like probably the worst
0: thing. Just funny to- because you probably had a really dark environment for sleep time. I did. I did have <laughs> <curtains>. <laughs> so, It doesn't really matter the color of the wall. Oh gosh. Oh gosh. So let's talk okay.
1: about let's talk about these things. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna myth bust them, or we're gonna tell you that they're true and why. We're half true. So, yeah. Not true. So we're going to go through the top few ones that I, the seven ones that I have seen, and and we're gonna we're gonna talk about it. So the first one, I'm gonna let Chelsea tell you take it. whether it is true or untrue. I gave my child some melatonin mm-hmm. and lavender lotion and it worked wonders.
0: You should do it too. Okay, please know that this is, it is untrue. This is false. You know, I actually am seeing this more and more, Mika. I actually was thinking about this a couple of weeks ago when I was at Target <laughs> um, in the vitamin aisle, getting my child's daily vitamins. And the amount of melatonin specific vitamins that are out there, not only for adults, but geared towards children, gummies. it's like it, it. those gummies are, it, it's like, I literally feel like month to month, there are more and more brands that are offering this. And to be honest with you, the use of melatonin, it is a sleep aid, but It is not sufficiently studied for the use of infants. It's just, it's not well studied and it really isn't really proven. The um, scientific evidence isn't there to show truly the effectiveness within that age group. So within pediatrics, but specifically within infants, which is what we're kind of talking about here. Um, You know, melatonin, it is used to regulate sleep and wake cycles who for people who have specific sleep disorders, okay, specifically adults, but it is really is not used for infants. And unless that infant is specifically diagnosed with some kind of condition to support the use of melatonin, and obviously is there as an aid for a diagnosed disorder or disease to accompany that. I really strongly you guys, I just really want to hesitate and help you to hesitate to utilize melatonin Not only with your babies, but even with your toddlers as well. There just isn't very much information out there to just you know, to really show the long-term effects of use of melatonin supplements in children. And so, you know, you know us, you guys, we're very evidence-based people. And we want to make sure that we're always providing the most accurate evidence-based recommendations to our clients, but also to those of you who are listening here on this podcast. And so. On a serious note, please be hesitant to utilize any melatonin supplements with your babies and with your toddlers. Now, of course, the the lavender lotion, <laughs> um, that is something, too, that I am sure that you have heard or even lavender oil, Mika, or any kind of kind of other oils or, you know, read this on them. You know, there are some components to like some, you know, with lavender specifically, some calming components within just like that smell. However, I will say that that isn't going to be like your magic bullet to helping your child, you know, have consistent, better sleep. It's just kind of like anything like, you know, buy this product, do this and, you know, your problems go away. So um, not to say that using lavender lotion is bad, <laughs> by any means. But that it just know that it may not be the thing that gets you that sleep consistently.
1: Yeah, a lot of those things, just so you know, is they're coincidental. If you're seeing like, oh, Absolutely. it worked for me, I'm sure that they, if they tried that, they probably tried a million other things right at yeah. the same time. You don't really know what factors are are helping that specific family, and you have to remember with melatonin, it's meant to induce a hormone production beyond what you're naturally producing. So if you're going to use melatonin, it means like you and your mind are thinking that your child is deficient in melatonin and that's not true. They're developing it unless you are again, diagnosed by a pediatrician. So you really want to stay away from that. It's like treating a pain when there's no pain there. You're not going to give your child Tylenol just because you want to give them Tylenol, right? So that's why just think of it in that way when you're thinking about supplements or things like melatonin with essential oils. Essential oils, even when a child is 12, has to be diluted. That's why you'll see that when you purchase essential oils in all of those companies, they have a child version because they're highly diluted. So you really want to be careful about giving any type of essential oils in its purest form, even if it's safe for adults to a child. So just remember that. That's a really, good, it's really, really, worth really good it. point.
0: Yeah. I mean, most of the main essential oil because i mean i'm gonna lie you guys i've said essential oils Mika, i know that you do too Um,
1: i have a whole shelf
0: (laughs) yeah so and so they're great but that's a very very good point all the reputable essential oil companies do have specific child lines and that is because of what mika just said they are diluted and the ratio is different um there are other kind of oils just to dilute them added in as well so okay number two are we ready Okay, I'm gonna throw this one at you. Just sleep train your child. It doesn't matter what method you use. What do you say? Yes. So, <laughs> so false, true. I'm gonna
1: call this, I'm gonna call this untrue because of how it was positioned. Okay. okay, research does show that there are long-term positive effects of sleep training, but it's not like whatever you see. You you can't apply what worked for Susie for Bobby. It's basically mm-hmm. what I'm saying. So, while some and and you'll see this and why we talk about this, this is not saying that sleep training doesn't work, but it says among those who sleep trained, that there is going to be positive outcomes for a lot of children and then a lot of pa- not positive outcomes, meaning like no differences in sleep patterns for other children. And why is that? It's because it matters how you apply your sleep training approach. So, for some families, and we talk about this, this is a non judgmental community tribe here, okay? If Ferber is for you because it works for your family, it works for your child, great. Then Amazing. you know that that approach works. You just know that that's not the only factor, right? So hopefully you're working on all the things that we preach about, which we do in our program, right? In our group coaching, we talk about four factors. Sleep training is 10% of it. The other factors is really what's going to get our families success. But if it's not because some babies require a little bit more response, or, um, or you know that they're developmentally not capable of doing something like Ferber, then you're going to want to cater your approach to be more of a coaching approach or you know something that requires a little bit more response that guides your child to sleep. So at the same time, if there is a child that is super stimulated by touch, you have to stop touching them during sleep training or they're <laughs> going to get pissed off. Yeah. If you have a child that gets really, really overstimulated by you opening and closing the door, you can't use Ferber.
0: Because that will be too much stimulation and causing more frustration when you are doing that, because all they're going to be looking and focusing on is mommy coming and going, as opposed to the coaching that you're trying to provide them. So, and that's okay, you guys, that's okay. And it's okay. Honestly, if forever works for you, that's amazing. And that, I just want to kind of highlight one point you just said, Make it that, you know, the the sleep method that you use really is just about 10% of the whole picture And so if you guys haven't listened to our webinar recently or before, um, please check it out. We actually dive into what Mika was talking about, those four components, but what they are and ways to actually achieve that consistency of nighttime sleep. Um, and also about mistakes parents make all the time um, within this process, by no fault of their own, but just we want to provide some additional education regarding the the topic. So please, feel you know, head to our website um, and you can register for that webinar as well. But, you know, one of the things, too, is just know that if you've tried sleep training, too, before, Mika... And it hasn't worked. That's something that we've also have had many clients come to us before. Like, well, I tried sleep training; it didn't work. There is a reason for that.
1: Whether it, I we have a story for that. We should uh, yeah. let's share the story a little bit. Totally. Uh, I have a client who started with me one-on-one actually a week ago, and this family has a, a seven and a half month old. I'll say seven and a half to eight month old. Mm-hmm. little guy that started with us and i'm not joking you guys we are we were sleep coach number five. 5 number 5 mom is clearly going through some postpartum anxiety she's not getting sleep she is the main provider for facilitating all those sleep transitions right sleep cycle transitions that happen at night so she's up multiple times she's clearly a working mom mm-hmm and working dad. And it's been a long time and they haven't had any more than an hour to two hours of sleep. They have gone through multiple sleep programs. And one basically gave up on her and said, you know what, just go ahead and co-sleep. That'll help you. But guess what? Baby wouldn't co-sleep because (laughs) he that doesn't work for everyone. You guys just like, just like we're not saying that you can't co-sleep, but for some people that's just not an option. So baby wouldn't co-sleep. Then they did Ferber. They did checks every 10, 15 minutes. It worked for three days and then it all fell apart. She purchased two other programs. They were all modified Ferber. Um, And then she tried this more gentle approach where they told her to basically rock baby to sleep and then lay him down. Well, guess what happens at seven to eight months for most babies? When you lay them down, take a wild guess what happens.
0: They shoot right back up and wake back up. They shoot right (laughs) back up and then you get your wakings
1: all over again. So it worked for three nights she couldn't get any, any um, rest. She came to us and she said, honestly, you guys are my last ditch effort. And I don't know how you guys are going to be different. I just see that your approach is different. And I will tell you that she was preparing for her first night to be two hours because that's how long the other methods took. And when you say two hours, you
0: mean like two hours to fall asleep.
1: Two hours to fall asleep in the other methods on the first night, right? From the time Mm -hmm. that they started sleep training to the time the baby fell asleep was two hours. We were under 30 Mm -hmm. minutes on the first night and dad stayed in the room the whole time responsive. She literally could not believe it.
0: And it's because Moving that we really are taking all of those other parts that <laughs> play into consistency of sleep. Well, it gets better, right? Because her, what yeah, she was, me, yeah. Was I haven't even gotten the update on this one, by the way. So, no, so I'm she, excited to hear. Yeah. Uh,
1: was that everything was short term, right? So second night, guess what? Baby slept the longest stretch that he ever okay. had done. Last, the third night, 11 and a half hours. And on average, we are, I think, around night six now. And baby has gotten more sleep in a 24 hour period and has been falling asleep for all naps and has had a super consolidated night. And I had a consult with her today and she kind of said, Yeah, when we talked, I was thinking, gosh, they're so confident that they can help me. (laughs) And I told her it's because sleep is really like math, I can't fudge the numbers. It is literally a formula. There's four things you have to have in place. I have to fill them a certain amount based on your child. And when you have that right formula together and we put the right piece in place, that's what we know is going to work for your child. So you know what association feeding, which we use, we have a base that works for a majority, but we also have to modify it based on a child's temperament. I knew this child had been sleep trained. Yep. I knew that they were overstimulated by touch. I knew they were overstimulated by walking in and out. And so we had to modify those things. And that's why we see success. Plus what we mentioned, it's only 10%. So the other part of it was being able to see what a child's natural sleep rhythm was,
0: mm-hmm.
1: try to align to it. And she also said, Oh my gosh, you guys are seriously the first sleep coaches that were this data driven. Like, I can't question anything that you're doing because she would even I be it. like, oh, Yeah, <laughs> Are we doing okay and I'm like well like the numbers don't lie you guys yeah. are clearly doing great yeah. and she goes oh you're so
0: right so, <laughs> That's so anyways sweet, I, 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 love, I love stories like that and it really it really honestly it, it really goes to our approach but also this is how what well, we want you guys to be thinking about this process as well not just us we want you to start to kind of have that mindset as well um, and it's just not about the method Okay. So, all right. Number three, what's our third one? I
1: have one for you. All right. So we see this all the time. Hey, what's your bedtime routine look like? You should make sure you have a bedtime routine because if you have a bedtime routine, then you're going to get better sleep right away.
0: So I will say that this is true, but just like we were talking about just a second ago, you guys, it is just one piece. OK, so it we have oftentimes and you come across and you honestly, you might have an amazing bedtime routine that is incredible and it is great. Your child even knows what's coming. But then what happens? You still have nighttime wakings or you still are having difficulty with naps. So let's kind of first break it down. It is true that bedtime routines and having that consistency of bedtime routine does provide your child with cues of understanding what's coming and what is also expected. It leads them to having that sleep. And also establishing that consistency with routine, it just makes them also feel secure. Um, they, when things are really black and white, they know what to expect. They also just kind of feel calmer just in general life. Okay. Okay. So it really does help them to wind down, to kind of prepare their minds and their bodies for sleep. So, for example, some things that we really are recommend for a bedtime routine, such as like a feed, then a bath, PJs, sleep sack, a book, lullaby, just as an example. Those are all wonderful things. One of the interesting things about babies, though, is that, yes, we need all of those components in place to have that consistency with sleep. But one thing to keep in mind is that in baby's mind, each sleep time is a separate routine and a separate category. And so one of the things that we talk a lot about in our programs and just with with families in general is that we want to try to keep their routines In terms of how we're having them go to sleep, or how we're responding, the same or consistent across all sleep times, so that they can make that connection with you know what they can do at all sleep times. Otherwise, it really is just completely separate categories. So yes, do you want a consistent bedtime routine to best prepare your child for sleep at nighttime? One hundred percent. But we also want to just make sure that we have the other pieces in place, such as appropriate daytime schedule and routine nap routine so on and so forth so anything to add with that <laughs> no i
1: think that nails it yes okay. that's okay it. number that's four a true true in most sense but taken individually not true
0: not quite <laughs> yeah <laughs> so okay number four this one is a this one is this one's talked about a lot okay <laughs> um so your child is hungry that is the, is the reason why they're waking up a lot in the nighttime. So, you should add some rice cereal to your feedings. Mika's taking a deep breath if you can't see her. <laughs> True. So, this
1: is False. so hard for a mom to hear when your child is underweight. Yeah. But, underweight can mean so many things, right? You really have to look at the growth curve that your child is on if they're following it. First of all, don't don't use the general g- growth weight because guess what? They keep rising and some yeah. babies are just small and they grow up to be just fine. And
0: that's why we say pay that attention to your growth curve. You your, your
1: child's growth curve. Do not yeah. compare your child to the regular growth curve when you're thinking about whether they need a feed or not. This was really, really hard for me. And I heard it all the time. I had medical professionals, not lactation, not pediatric sleep experts, not anyone who knew how sleep cycles worked or, you know, even how, again, feeding worked, tell me that I needed to add cereal to my child's milk um, or when I was struggling with breastfeeding to switch to formula or to prematurely introduce solids. And if your child is underweight or not quite or not quite yet four months, you absolutely probably need a feed. That does not mean though that you want to prematurely add in any solids or or change anything in the diet because they just biologically need it. But there are ways to manage better sleep. You don't need to necessarily just focus on that. The reasons why you don't want to do that is that. If you are going to start introducing solids prematurely, you are introducing it to a vastly immature digestive system that will likely cause other issues, like pooping when you don't want it to, or tummy <laughs>
0: aches, yeah, yeah,
1: or all those things. So you you really don't want to do that. There are other natural factors. This is again really related to the whole melatonin thing Mm -hmm. and adding things that you don't need to, we don't need to add any of that. It can be dangerous. You can see the AAP has actually increased the, um, the age for when they recommend solids to actually be introduced now. So four months, I see it all the time. Oh, just add cereal. You don't want to do that. There's no, there's literally no value and there's a high risk of choking. Yeah. Because again, everything in their body is super, super immature still. It's still in development. So um it just, it gives me a lot of feels. And if you are breastfeeding mom, don't feel pressure to add formula, you might feel like, oh yeah, but I notice if I do half breast milk, half formula that my child, you know, is sleeping an hour longer. I I promise you that's more coincidence than anything. And don't change your diet unless you want to. So there have actually been studies. There was, uh, I want to say there was a study where there was about over a thousand infants that were studied in the Asia-Pacific. And originally the study was really focused on understanding the difference between formula fed babies and sleep and breastfed babies and sleep. And I'm going to cut to the chase at the end of it. The breastfed babies definitely had more disrupted sleep patterns, but guess what? It had nothing to do with the formula or breast milk.
0: It was all about the routines and all the (laughs) other factors.
1: It just happened to be that when a child woke up in the middle of the night and they were bottle fed or formula fed, it just took longer. And if you guys (laughs) haven't read, was it Raisin Bebe? Yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, in 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 France, culturally, midwives actually tell their. Families to pause for two minutes because yeah. sometimes a baby is actually in transition of a sleep cycle. They're not actually looking to wake up or get interrupted. And we often do that more so here in the US and bottle fed babies. It just took longer for that bottle to come and that extra and time allows them to transition sleep <laughs> yeah. cycles. Yeah. But when you're breastfed that it's immediately available and that i thought that was really really interesting so it was nothing about the the make yeah. or the chemical makeup of breast milk versus formula that was going to make a difference
0: and that's not to say you know there are definitely times where um you know just because of weight and kind of making sure that weight are continuing to stay on your your child's growth curve your child's staying that, that there are some times that you do have to um you know, based on your pediatrician's recommendation of either, um, kind of fortifying your milk or also, um, kind of supplementing if necessary, but only do that, right. Because your, your baby needs it for weight gain or based off of the recommendation for your pediatrician, don't just make that decision to change, for example, to formula because you're wanting better sleep. Um, that is not, they're not one in the same there as well. Okay. All right. So number okay, five. Here's
1: another one. Okay, true or false. You do need a sound machine and a dark room. You're that's the reason why your child might not be sleeping. True or false.
0: So I'm actually gonna say true on this one. So <laughs> and here's why. So again. You guys, I like everything. It's not the end all be all. Just make sure you have a dark room with a sound machine and all your, your sleep problems go away. Um. However, with our approach specifically, environment is actually one of those four components needed for consistent and consolidated sleep. And that is because one, a dark room, well, first of all, light and the, and light specifically um, in the early morning hours, but just light in general will actually suppress the secretion of your baby's natural development of melatonin. So when we have a super bright environment, it does slow that production naturally. So that's one thing to keep in mind. The other thing is that light does raise something called cortisol levels, which is the hormone needed for your body to wake up to arouse. And that's kind of one of the reasons why like if light shines into your bedroom window at the early morning hours, you start to kind of wake up and to get more alert. And that's because of, of cortisol. Okay. So the brain
1: are- hardwired thing too. I just want to make sure that people realize that because I know there's a lot of people thinking right now, well, I don't want my child to get used to the dark. We This is our survival instincts that are hardwired in our brain. So you can't it is against nature to think that we are going to change that. That's yeah. not to say your child can't sleep in the light. It just, I like to say that because I know a lot of, a lot of people listening are probably like, oh, but I don't want that inflexibility.
0: Yeah, and it's it's nothing that we can really truly essentially change. <laughs> um, now I will say too, so it does promote just really good, helpful ways for your your brain to get into really good deep sleep, for example, when you do have a dark environment. And then also the use of sound machine is really fantastic. However, we recommend that you use what you call as brown sound noise, or you know, I'm sure you guys have heard of white noise, but brown noise, there's actually a lot of, um, excuse me, uh, studies and, and information evidence on this, but that it really does help to stimulate baby's brain and sleep waves when they are in sleep. So what is brown noise? Brown noise is any sound that is of low frequency, kind of a constant sound. So think about, for example, the sound that a dryer makes. That really consistent lower tone is really what is going to be most helpful. So we actually, when working with our clients, we don't recommend things like like ocean waves, just because that kind of goes into a higher to a lower pitch to higher to a lower pitch. And that can be actually really pretty stimulating to the brain, even if the child's asleep, so they just don't get as restful sleep. However, it is just essential just to make sure that you are having an environment that is safe. That in addition to dark with a sound machine, um, that one that is safe and that is a safe sleep environment for your baby. So nothing like bumpers um or toys in the crib, etc., as you go through. Okay. All right, number six. Your baby isn't tired enough, so just keep them up longer, Mika. (laughs) This is so funny.
1: Um, Now, it could be true some ways, right? And it very much so when babies are older, you need to lengthen those wake times gradually. But in general, and the way that families are practicing this that I see is totally false. In fact, it can backfire. Now, does that mean you don't have a sister's friend from the baby group who said that she does this and the baby is getting better sleep for a couple nights or it worked for one night? Sure, it's definitely possible, but there's actually long-term impacts to having a child overtired and it just doesn't mean that you crash. So when a child – and I'm not going to spend too much time on this because – I'm just going to say, don't do it. (laughs) But (laughs) basically what happens is when your child stays up beyond their point of comfort, they start actually producing cortisol. So Chelsea mentioned, right? That's kind of the, that's, that's the hormone we don't want for sleep. It's a stress hormone. And when they have that natural peak in cortisol, it makes it actually harder for them to stay asleep and go, you know, deeper into sleep, it's a different level of cortisol. So I do want to preface that we talk a lot about, you know, being responsive cortisol levels that are being too high. And is that causing damage? No, guys, that's another that's going to be another podcast episode. What I'm talking about is just the natural difficulty of certain cortisol levels that are going to make it hard for a child to stay in deep sleep. So what do we usually see when a child is overtired? We see things like false starts. False starts is an overproduction of sleep pressure where they get into a little bit of a deep sleep, but then guess what? They have to wake up. It doesn't quite help them or it actually has them fight sleep a little bit longer. So um, we don't recommend making your child overtired to sleep more at night because you might have
0: more wakings. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) All right. So, okay. We have one more. Do we have one more? We have one more. All right.
1: So the question of whether this is true or false. So you just haven't tired your baby enough. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Okay. So, so you have to tire them out a little bit more.
0: So, I'm going to actually say that this is true because just like what Miko is saying is that, you know, you, you don't want to push them too far, however, within their wake time. However, when you do have a baby who is awake during that appropriate awake time for their age and development, et cetera, we do need to provide some kind of physical and mental activity to truly be able to stimulate them. Okay. And that really, honestly, it is. It is super helpful when you are thinking about sleep, either for a nap or for a night to have adequate daily physical activity. Now, don't feel like you guys have to go like run a marathon with your baby by any means, but... Giving them access and experience with different kinds of stimulation when they are awake is actually really helpful. You guys, this can be as something as like taking them outside and doing tummy time outside and talking to them maybe on your lap while you guys are sitting at a park, for example. Or it can just be trading out maybe a couple of the little toys that you have at home. Um, talking to your child actually goes a long way in promoting just those those um, brain waves and just that mental stimulation as well. So that is actually really great. This particularly comes into play when we talk about physical activity and physical civilization as well. When we are talking about toddlers. Just because they need quite a bit of um, different activities um, when we go through, and I think I—I I mean, stimulate stim. I can never say that word, Mika. <laughs> stimulation, stimulation. <Stimulization. laughs> She messaged me, you guys, and she was like, "stimulation, not simulation. <laughs> Do you guys ever have those words where you're just like, you can never say that one word, which is so funny because we have to use that word so much every day. Okay, well, sorry, just so you know, I mispronounced that word. <laughs> But I think you guys get the gist, right? <laughs> because let me cooking. Love you. Okay, so, but you guys get it. I mean, true, it is, there is an aspect of that. We really do. I mean, honestly, like if you guys just like sat around all day and really didn't do anything, you wouldn't really have a very good night's sleep either. Um, And so maybe not now, <laughs> you're sleep deprived, but like in general life. So just something to be thinking about there. So all right, you guys. So that is our seven, I don't want to say top miss or facts, but the wasn't common, common. We see common, these all common. the time. Right? Yeah. Right? All was, the time. All the time. Um, please know that we are um we are here and we are excited to continue to give you additional information and just education on sleep. Please know that you can always check us out on a website, but specifically find us on our webinar, where we go through all of those four main components for sleep. And for you guys to just kind of get a really good sense about who we are. So I definitely recommend that you look into our webinar and also find us on Instagram as well. So Mika, thank you so much for chatting. As always, my friend, my little best friend over there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, everyone, stay rested. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Rested Mama's Talk. To stay connected and get more sleep tips from us, follow us on our Instagram page at rested underscore mama underscore happy underscore baby.
1: To find out how we're helping families around the world get better sleep, check out our website, restedmamahappybaby.com, or chat with us directly to learn more about our programs. Chat with you next time.